0: Hi, I'm Jessica Clara, co-founding general partner of Coyote Ventures. To me, FemTech means innovating for gender equality and allowing women to demand more excellence in their lives.
1: Welcome to FemTech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the FemTech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with FemTech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today we are dropping a special bonus episode. In this episode, I interview Jessica Carr, my co founding general partner of Coyote Ventures. Coyote Ventures is a $10 million seed stage venture fund investing in early stage women's health companies. Coyote is the new venture arm, of Femtech Focus. After 18 months of working deep in the trenches on women's health innovation, it was finally time to put money where our mouth is. I am so excited for y'all to learn more about my business partner, Jess. She is amazing, and uh, you're going to love her too. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Jess, welcome to
0: the show. Hi, Brittany. So happy to be here finally after listening to so many episodes. Here we are.
1: <laughs> oh it is kind of funny having like your friend and business partner as the guest. I'm like, hey. <laughs> that'll
0: <laughs> happen eventually. So here we are.
1: <laughs> all the back end metrics of how the podcast is doing. Like, you know, a lot more than most guests do. Come I on do. in. I know all the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> there is no secrets on this show. I'm incapable of having any secrets on this show. That's true. Well, you know, uh, I am really excited for our listeners to learn more about you because you are gonna be ever more and more present in the FemTech community, in femtech focuses, you know, community, and then Coyote Ventures. So I'm really excited for us to like just learn about you. Um, you know, our listeners know a lot about me. So I hope they learn more about you today. And then we can introduce Coyote, which I know we are so excited about. (laughs) Yes. So. <laughs> cool. well let's kick off the interview with talking about your background where are you from what did you study and then you know how did you discover femtech How had you end up here don't worry if it's a long answer we want the long answer
0: yeah it's very long um but sure yeah so I'm originally from Amarillo Texas it's in um west Texas and a small city um and uh so, just was born and raised there, and I went to college in Texas. Um, and I, um, I guess, like in high school, I was around the medical profession a lot. So my mom was an OB/GYN nurse. I was really interested in that area, and I actually worked there one summer, uh, following around the doctors. It was always like I was always trying to go see a delivery. I actually never did. Um, And (laughs) I also worked in my dad's dentist office, starting at age 14. So uh, yeah, really was around a lot of uh, medical professions. I also, I don't think I told you this, but I think I was talking to a dentist the other day or something. And I was saying that actually it was like pre-med, And I was obsessed with surgery. So I actually like helped assist my dad in oral surgeries sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes they were like, because Amarillo is a small town, I knew a lot of the patients. And so the first time I did it was like one of my friends who was in my grade. Um, So yeah, I was literally helping with the surgery. Um, Oh my
1: gosh.
0: Yeah. So when I went to college, I was pre-med. I was a bio major Um, I didn't, you know, like with bio, I felt like it was a lot of memorization. So when I took my first chemistry class, I was really fortunate. I had an amazing professor and I just felt like I really understood how things worked with chemistry. And uh, yeah, maybe I just didn't have as good of professors with bio, but I just was like, oh, sometimes our homework was literally like coloring in pictures of like what the body parts are. And I was like, this is just kind of memorization. So I changed my major to biochem, and um, even though I was still interested in, like, medical profession, I started doing a lot of research, and uh, I enjoyed sort of, like, the discovery process within research. Um, However much you can enjoy pipetting, I didn't, you know, sometimes I was over that part, but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, and then I also double majored in philosophy, I just was really interested in um, a lot of uh, the topics of philosophy, so I thought it was a cool balance. Uh, I really liked our philosophy department; it was really small. Um, our classes, we would just like m- maybe fifteen people per class sit around a table and uh, discuss topics. Uh, and so, one class I took was uh, environmental ethics, and that taught me about uh, sustainability and food, which like ties in later. Um, and, yeah, being from Amarillo, there's like you know, lots of factory farming. And so I've kind of opened my eyes up to a lot of the What? What college were you at? Texas State in San Marcos.
1: St. Marcos. Okay, cool. To major in philosophy, like people literally go to college just to major in philosophy. You went and you majored in biochem Mm -hmm. uh, and philosophy. Like that sounds like a lot of coursework and a lot of essay writing and a lot of, Experiments, (laughs) experiments <laughs> like were you like the only scientist philosopher in your classes?
0: Yeah, I was. So kind of like was an interesting bridge that I could cross when uh you know the scientists had a philosophy question or vice versa. There was also like a philosophy of science class that I took. That was really interesting. Um and so I was definitely the go-to person there. <laughs> cool. Um, okay. Yeah. So Yeah, and and Texas State was a really good school. It has a reputation for being a party school, Um, but, you know, it's near Austin and San Antonio. There's a river, so lots of, like, great outdoors activities, and uh, I really liked it there. And then um, I did uh, undergrad research at Berkeley one summer, so it was called Amgen Scholars Program, and uh, that definitely, like, catapulted me into, like, higher, like, research projects and. you know, did a nice publication that summer and um, definitely after that was pretty set on going to grad school for biochem um, rather than trying to go through the whole medical school route. So I'm um, really thankful for that program that I did um, with Amgen.
1: Yeah. And Jess, when you were in, at Berkeley that one summer, did you feel the like entrepreneurship spirit around you or were you like really in the lab the whole time? You didn't really get the Silicon Valley stuff.
0: I didn't really get that much Silicon Valley stuff. That uh, Anne Wojcicki from Twenty Three and Me gave a talk, and that was like in the somewhat early days of that company, which uh, just went public the other day, which is cool. That so I, cool. yeah, so I I saw the, her give a talk, so I was a little bit like, oh, there's interesting applications of research, but uh, definitely was still
1: majorly in
0: the academic research bubble. Yeah. Well.
1: Cool. So then what happens where you go to grad school?
0: um, UC San Diego. Um, Yeah, which was a a really great school, lots of great uh, research. So it was in the chemistry department. Um, Yeah, and I was in a lab where we studied like the microbiome and the communications that happen in ecosystems um, using mass spectrometry. So we were developing methods for mass spec imaging. Um, that was a really great lab, and um, basically, after I finished enough coursework for my master's, and I did um, one defense. It wasn't the uh, candidacy defense, but um, it was kind of a milestone. And uh, I looked around and I said, "Okay, I could stay here, work 80 hours a week in a lab for the next like six years, or I could go apply this research um, somewhere, you know, like at a at a company." Um, and so I made the decision to leave with a master's. Um, you know, after talking to a lot of wiser folks than myself, including my PI, who was really like helpful and encouraging, because I know a lot of PIs will just like, they're like, you must suffer. And, you know, people get really depressed. And so, really thankful um, that my PI had a good relationship um, to sort of facilitate that decision. But I didn't know quite where I would go. I definitely loved the Bay Area, so I was interested in ending up here long term. But I did a few internships. I actually worked at a winery for a few months. Um, And then I worked at the Smithsonian for a few months. And um, so that the Smithsonian was research based, though it was uh, mass spec um, to figure out how old some artifacts were. It was sort of um, method development for that. Yeah, and then I was thinking about moving to New York. So I did a yoga teacher training in New York. Um, I was thinking about, you know, food science, actually. I looked at Cornell. Um, And then one day I just got an email from uh, Impossible Foods, which was back then called Sandhill Foods. And it was like, we are a disruptive technology. And I was just like, I don't know what disruptive technology is, but it doesn't sound good, you know. But obviously <laughs> I had no idea. And uh, but yeah, I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. It sounds really interesting. It was like very small startup seed stage. It all I also had learned then what a seed stage was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I moved back out here. That was 2012. There was 12 employees and um, yeah, joined the D
1: team. Oh my gosh. Sandhill Foods is that what it was called? Yeah, you know how there's like a lot of VCs on Sandhill
0: Road. I guess that's why they named it that. But you know, we had several name changes over the years.
1: Well, this is a really exciting part of your story for me, and I know it's going to be for the listeners too. What was it like being an early employee at a company that was, you know, now people are going to be like, "Oh my god, I just had." their sausages or I just had their ground beef or whatever. Right. So tell mm-hmm. us what was it like working in a laboratory early stage? And I would love for you to, you know, tell us specifically your role. Cause I think it's so fun to think about, uh, working at a startup and wearing a lot of hats.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a takeaway is like wearing a lot of hats. So in the beginning when it was really small, there were no sub teams. It was just like, this is the R and D team. And like, we would just kind of bounce our projects around. So, one of my first projects was like um, using proteins to emulsify fat because, like, fat is really important in, in meat. And so, literally, uh, this might be inappropriate, but it was like I would form the fat balls. And so, we called them fat balls. And I was like cooking them and characterizing how they uh, cooked basically and i called myself the fat lady (laughs) um (laughs) i know there's a lot of like this maybe a rated r podcast and so i bought it but that's that was one of my first projects i helped develop (laughs) like the first prototype um it was like looked like a piece of poop to be honest it was really bad and so back then there was like not very many now there's all types of like here's all these options for vegetable proteins since it's such a big area now yeah. but back then um beyond meat hadn't launched either so it was like we are kind of processing everything ourselves which ended up being like now there's other sort of ingredient suppliers but um when we try to do a lot of that ourselves it was kind of a failure um it's but really fun like actually my very first day they were like don't dress nice because we're actually going to go out and harvest some plants <laughs> And so literally my first day, I was like, okay, I'll wear yoga pants today, which I ended up wearing yoga pants every day for like the next four years. But (laughs) we went out and uh, it was like a little tiny airport with a field on Half Moon Bay, which is right on the ocean. Um, And then we were just like harvesting plants and took them back to the lab for analysis. And we were working till like 10 p.m. that night. So I remember being like, is this a normal day. I had no idea. Nice. Um, yeah, and then, like, a few weeks later, we took a trip to, like, South Texas, again, like, harvesting plants, and, you know, pretty crazy times, Um, and, like, our uh, business guy, Nick, rolled up to uh, harvest plants, and he was like, yeah, I just had a meeting with Bill Gates, um, because he was one of our early funders, <laughs> so it was kind of interesting contrast in him, like, fundraising from, like, big shots, and then coming out, and, like, um, he had a, a actual background working in farms as well. So it was like pretty funny.
1: Wow, this is so cool. So you worked there for four years and mm-hmm. I'm assuming over those four years, the company really kind of started to take off. Um, what were some of the big milestones that happened while you were there? And what was the point that you decided that you wanted to do something else?
0: Yeah, a lot of um over the years, obviously the team grew Um, I became a founding member of the flavor team. So we helped um, develop the flavors. We were actually using mass spec um, for analytics. And I was cross-functional with prototyping um, and sensory. So kind of, it was very collaborative. Um, We uh, worked with some really great chefs as well. And yeah, I mean, the biggest milestone I would say was the launch, Um, really fun and exciting, like seeing all the efforts. Um, It was about five years from, Inception to the public launch. So, yeah. And then after the launch, like a lot of sort of final iterations as um, the scale up was being built out. Um, And then, yeah, at that point, I'd been there for four years. Um, It became like very much scale up focus. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was just like, well, I, I seem to see a lot of other things happening. Um, but I felt like, yeah, there was kind of being in a bubble because you're very focused on solving all the, the problems um, that come up every day. Um, so I decided to go to business school. So I sort of take a step back, figure out like what else um, that I want to work on. So, yeah, I stayed in San Francisco. There's a school called Presidio Graduate School. It's really small. It's just um, they only have MBA and MPA for public administration, mm-hmm. um, but it's like impact and sustainability focus. So like the very first thing we learned about is like systems thinking, um, and impact. So yeah, it was a it was a really good school um, with people kind of like all types of different sort of impacts that they want to make.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to ask you like what happened next. <laughs>
0: Uh, and then what and then what i I have such a long story but uh yeah it all builds up to coyote basically Mm so um i i started consulting i really like the early stage of startups and there were so many startups happening in food tech um so it wasn't hard for me to find clients um it was kind of hard to work with so many like idea or seed stage because they don't have good funding So as a consultant, that's something that I always sort of like advise people to think about. It's like, how are you going to get paid or like what, how low can you go to help them? Because, you know, affordable pricing can have a positive impact on some of these startups. So um, yeah, getting equity is also an option, but um, I did that for a while. I was definitely considered my thesis like science-based products with um, positive impact. And uh, so I was looking for sort of like beyond food tech, but I hadn't seen women's health as like a business opportunity quite yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was also interested in venture capital. A lot of the companies I worked with were raising and I just was like, well, a lot of these VCs seem like they come from banking or come from like, you know, something like non-operating roles. And I was like, I have so many more insights than, than, you know, or additional insights. Um, that are like a different perspective. So, um, I started working in venture, um, and it was Adrian Grenier's fund. So he really cares about, um, a few impact focus, including sustainability and gender equality. So he was raised by his uh, mom, um, who was like a single mom and, um, he, he, she's like a big feminist. So, um, he really wanted to make investments to impact gender equality and, um, So when I was working there, I started looking at some deals in sexual wellness, which I think really ties in um, with gender equality, um, and became obsessed with that area as well as women's health. I saw, I think some of the first ones I saw were more fertility related, but opened up my eyes into this area. And uh, yeah, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have looked at any other areas, which is now what I'm doing. So (laughs)
1: And so you came across some of these sexual wellness companies, you're working at this family office venture fund. Um, you know, what, what was the thing about these sexual wellness companies that you were like, this is what I need to do. Like, I, you know, what you, did you feel the same way about like the food science or this was like a totally different passion that was sparked?
0: It was a totally new passion that was sparked. I feel like I liked you know, I, I think after a while I was not inspired by the food science. because uh, it was yeah. a lot of people are just like, we are the impossible of XYZ. And I was just like, please never say that to me ever again. Like it makes me <laughs> cringe. Um <laughs> just like that is not a good pitch to get me interested at all. Um so. I don't know yeah it's like a lot of people come into women's health and personal experiences and so I did have a personal experience related to sexual wellness where I was very uh marginalized by someone that I was dating and uh he was a very intelligent um individual and but super ignorant of like women's needs and I was just like how is this such a big problem and um So I actually like from that personal experience started researching a lot and that definitely coincided with the the venture fund that happened like around the same time and the uh, co-GP that I was working with then, um, well, she was working with, she and Adrienne Grenier were the GPs. Um, She did a lot of deals in sexual wellness and so like some of her insights were helpful for me to learn about the space. Mm
1: -hmm. When did you find Femtech?
0: when I was doing that research, it was like, sort of like sexual wellness led into the femtech. But then I realized I had seen some around, but I didn't know it was like its own area. So yeah, I saw a lot of companies out at IndieBio. Um, I'm pretty close with that group. And so I have kind of remembered back like, oh, yeah, there's that fertility one, like, mm-hmm. all that time ago. And like, yeah, it stuck out in my mind that I was like, this is an interesting area, but I didn't know it was like I don't know. I thought it was lumped in with like
1: biotech. Yep, or yeah, Totally. Yeah. Totally. And it was forever, right? Like the word mm-hmm. femtech was uh, coined in 2016. And it's, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of debate right now, whether the femtech word is the right word. Should we even have a word? Why can't we just call it health tech? And it's, you know, it's all based on this idea that women females have historically and systemically been excluded and so we needed a word to start a movement to start to say, listen, things were made for men, and then they were sh- either not m- made smaller for women, <laughs> you know, <laughs> women we just had to deal with bigger sizes or the wrong size, um, or they were made small in pink. Uh, and women are not just little men, as I like to say on the show. Um, and so, you know, I'm not surprised you became obsessed with femtech. It's the best. So did I. You know, and I was thinking, how can I, you know, make investments in this space? You know, and I had an idea for femtech angels, like we were going to get angel investors together, make investments, think about starting a fund. Um, I even had a little pitch deck, like put together. Yeah, I I saw it. Eventually, missing a team slide because (laughs) I knew that, like. I couldn't do it by myself and I didn't have all the skill sets. Um, you know, I didn't have as much investment experience as I thought I should have to run a fund. And um, it was so awesome growing my relationship with you over the last year uh, mm-hmm. until one day you we scheduled a phone call and you were like, hey, I'm going to send you a deck for my venture fund idea. And uh, it's called Coyote Ventures. It was called, called Coyote at that time, right?
0: Yeah, I came up with that name just sort of. Um, yeah, but it, it was kind of interesting. It was like after Women Who Run with the Wolves, which we, I told you about. And then um, I was like, I'm open to changing it. We can brainstorm. But then we never came up with any other idea. And everybody's just like, that's such a good name. And like, even our lawyer, work with you because I love coyotes. <laughs> um,
1: so oh. yeah, then we really stuck. It was such a cool experience exchanging pitch decks with you and being like, oh my God, you're we're each other's business partner. We've been looking for each other. Like you know.
0: So <laughs> they were basically the same pitch deck. Like, yeah. you know, we came up with a different number that was a little more in the middle. I think I came up with lower fund size and yours was bigger. So we're like, 10 million seems like the right number.
1: Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's, that's right. Cool. And so actually, you know, you and I, we've talked about why Coyote, um, but, you know, our listeners, I bet, are curious. Why, why are we calling our fund Coyote Ventures? And um, and then after you tell us that story, can you give us a thesis?
0: Yes. Um, so the name came about from Women Who Run With the Wolves. It's a classic book that's sort of like the myths of wild woman archetype. And wild woman doesn't mean like crazy running around naked and like making everybody uncomfortable. It's, it's sort of like a woman who's intuitive and healthy and sort of like, um, you know, humans came from nature and it's sort of like, you know, thinking a little bit more about being natural um, in that way. So um it's hard to sort of explain what it all means. So everybody should just go read that book. Uh, And yes, no problem if it takes you like over a year to read it because it's pretty dense. Um, So that was like the first sort of coyote. And then I knew that coyote was like a Native American, I guess, symbolic animal. And they're like adapted and like in Native American mythology, I guess they're like the trickster, but not just like tricking you in, in the bad way. And sometimes like they see a coyote and it's like a sign that you should pay attention and you might like learn something new. And then, yeah, when we ask people, both you and I were like, what does coyote mean to you? People are sometimes like, yeah, they're really amazing animals. They're adaptive. They can live like in any environment. Um, they also live with humans. So even though humans like try to sort of get rid of them, um, they know how to stick around. They have different sort of personalities. Some of them are in paths. Some of them are uh, introverted. So yeah, there's a lot of like really cool things about coyotes as um, animals.
1: There's
0: a lot of coyotes around the Bay Area. I don't know about Raleigh, but um, they're they're pretty local out here.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, And then you and I have little dogs that almost look like little baby coyotes. (laughs) Yeah,
0: my dog howls like a little coyote, so God,
1: I just love it. I love it. Um, so, what is, you know, and I could pitch this too, but this is you are featured here. So, why don't you give us the pitch? Uh, what is Coyote Ventures investing in and tell us more about the fund?
0: We're investing in early stage companies innovating in women's health and wellness. Um, so, our fund is $10 million um, and we'll focus primarily on seed stage companies. Um, so, the, the main idea is to invest at that seed stage and Brittany and I have um, sort of like unique experience um, having fundraised as well as launching products and so we see ourselves as that partner to help sort of like get from seed to series a um that said we're definitely looking at a few companies outside of that seed stage um just because they're such amazing companies and we want to support them as well Um, and yeah, so I think bringing in both of our expertise, um, in different sectors. And so, uh, like biotech, um, consumer products, apps, diagnostics, and digital health, um, lots of different industries that FemTech can span. Um, and I personally don't know very much about therapeutics and medical devices that Mm -hmm. are highly regulated. So we said, I don't know if we would if that would really fit our thesis. So we we opted out of that area. Um, but there's other co-investors who are um, looking at those spaces.
1: So. Yes. Um, what are some areas and like companies that you're really excited about? You can either give us like specific names of companies, but also like, is there, you know, you're like, here's a problem. I'm looking for a solution. If you have it, email it to me kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I think I have both. So I think some of the companies that we are um, investing in, I really love Wild because um, they have a vision to be a lifestyle brand, but they're also really science-driven, um, and it's a lot of uh, plant-based solutions. Um, and I like that it incorporates sort of like traditional herbs as well as like science. So um, yeah, they're they're looking to help mitigate um, symptoms that you experience like. Um, perimenopause and menopause. Um, so I, I really like that company a lot. I love basically how I said earlier, like science driven products that have an impact, which all of FemTech has an impact, but I think I really like uh, the consumer spaces. I think I understand them the best. Um, and then what else that we're looking for? I would say, I think we agree that there's a lot of underserved areas in women's health. Like it's all underserved overall but i think the things that are like maybe there's underserved areas that are um so let's see i think there there's areas where there's a lot of saturation i guess which are like sort of a uh, menstruation like so if you invented a new tampon like we're happy to look at it but it also might you know how much market share could you really take away from tampon tampact is like one of the questions whereas um something like abortion, there's only like four startups or so that we know of, um, whereas like one in four women experience an abortion. So um, I think that some of those like big areas for opportunity are where we're looking a little bit more.
1: Totally. Do you uh, see yourself like investing in women's health forever? Like what are, do you see, are you like, this is it? Like I'm here, like, this is what I was- uh,
0: Well, I spent so much of that time after I left Impossible, basically 2016, being like, what am I supposed to do with my life? I have so much passion, but I need to find my place and my people. And like, now I'm like, I think I found it. I'm happy to do this the rest of my life.
1: Yes, I feel the yeah. same way. Cause it's just so meaningful. I love, I love working hard on something that I know is like literally- literally we are going to invest in things that save women's lives you know even if we're not doing therapeutics <laughs> we're still investing in things that are literally at the end of the day improving women's quality of life saving their lives and um, and so it's just so awesome
0: yeah big time and like even like yes saving lives and also like so many of the messages that we send within that of like it's okay to talk about your period it's okay to talk about sex it's okay you know to recognize these um you know whatever um is a problem so or just something that you want to talk about so I think it's also sort of an issue like gender equality um and the patriarchy and um it's kind of deep it's like yes saving lives and so much more too
1: And so much more too. Absolutely. Last question about the fund. So you and I, you know, we're starting this fund. Um, I'm a previous startup founder. You were early employee at a company that you were pulling up crops and being leading departments of food science and stuff. What are um, some ways that Coyote Ventures is going to treat their our portfolio founders a little differently? It's like, uh, what, what's a typical investment fund you know operations and how they treat their founders versus how we envision doing that?
0: I'm glad you asked because I think it's really important differentiator in our fund, especially investing in women's health. Mm-hmm. Um, we want us all to be very healthy, um, take care of our physical, mental, spiritual well-being, and um, we definitely foresee um, supporting our founders, especially um, 80% of FemTech founders are women, a lot of our founders are of childbearing ages age, <laughs> so supporting them in that journey, and, um, you know, lots of traditional VCs will not well, they, you know, dismiss women overall, but especially pregnant or, you know, there's like ageism as well. So if they're like a certain age, it'll be like, it's just really tricky. Um, So we actually want to eventually have a founder retreats, go somewhere super beautiful, where we can, you know, be inspired and connect. Um, And I think in some ways, a lot of the good work will be done when we're not working as hard, Mm-hmm. um expected to like eat a sad dusk lunch um and all that you know like we <laughs> eat some, uh, fresh light coconuts off the tree or wherever we end up and <laughs> connect and also uh you know take care of our ourselves
1: yes i love it i love it i love it i cannot wait for our first founder retreat it's gonna be so amazing literally when we're due diligence in companies in my mind i'm like do I see myself spending the weekend on the beach with this founder? You know, like it's actually a due diligence question in my mind. Um, yeah, we kind of just like, do you think they would even want
0: to go on the retreat? And then <laughs> we kind of were like, hmm, I'm not sure. We're kind of like, hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, Jess, I love it. Well, we have two last questions that our listeners really love. Uh, mm-hmm. You're an avid listener yourself, so you know what's coming. Uh, the first one is if someone wanted to start a femtech company, what's an area in women's health and wellness that still needs innovating?
0: Well, I know what everyone else says usually, which is like every area. Um, but since I had the advantage of knowing that you would ask that, I thought of maybe one example. Um, I think a lot of the femtech uh, founders and operators will sympathize that advertising is really difficult. And so I was thinking about it, um, that, you know, some uh, sort of marketplaces that could also give companies like an early uh, in, in terms of like, oh, um, maybe there's a new fintech company that's like launching D2C, it it costs so much to launch that yourself. Um, So potentially more sort of either um, opportunities for them to sell on a marketplace or, um, or even like depending on someone's skill set, they could also help them sort of as an accelerator or more support around sort of like that early stage though. But I was thinking marketplaces specifically, it would be really cool. And yeah, there's a few that have their own sort of like starting areas, but there's not a time just for like, here's my, like, if I just said, oh, I have this like women's health thing, like, I just like Google it or you know, now I have this whole community to ask, but Mm -hmm. I think the average person wouldn't know exactly where to start if they were looking to solve any general women's health issue.
1: Yeah, totally. I love that. That's definitely a first ad tech uh, as as a suggestion for what should be innovated in women's health, because Mm -hmm. we can make all the damn amazing products but if the customers can't find out about it because Facebook blocks all of our ads, like it's no good, right? So I love. Yeah, and I know that. there's yeah.
0: a lot of effort right around Facebook, and yeah, they need to, you know, get on board. But yeah, I think we need to innovate for our own problems, and Facebook was not built for us either. Um, so yeah, yeah. We to yeah, build our own solutions at the same mm-hmm.
1: time. Love it. And our last question is: What do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful?
0: More coyotes. <laughs> but yeah, I think like, you know, within our own fund, we're, um, you know, it, the, be- the better investors that we have in our fund as well. Um, you know, I think, yeah, you talked, I was thinking about your uh, podcast with Carly saying that limited partners are actually sort of the most conservative group, especially mm-hmm. like um, right now we have great ones because they're individuals um but then as we continue to grow we'll talk to institutions and i you know they tend to be very conservative and not being open to new funds and then um you know if they see that we invest in a sexual wellness deal they might be like oh my god sex you know yeah
1: yeah so, or god forbid an abortion one
0: mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Yep. so i think we need a more specific kinds of capital
1: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where else can capital come from that isn't necessarily going to be um, censoring what GPs you and I can invest in based on their own personal beliefs? Yeah. Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Jess, do you have any last words for our listeners?
0: I don't think so. Great <laughs> oh, finally, I'm excited.
1: So excited. If someone is fundraising their femtech company, uh, how can they share it with Coyote Ventures?
0: deals at coyote.ventures. Um, you can subscribe to our newsletter coyote.ventures and of course join Femtech Focus. Uh, the deals that we look at most closely are the ones that we've gotten to know through our uh, virtual community podcast yeah. and uh, events.
1: Yeah, that's the truth. That is the truth. Yeah, the people that are the most active are the ones that were like, yeah, it's obvious we want to invest in you. You're so present. You're so here. We're building this relationship. So I love yeah, especially it. Especially
0: before, like if they're sort of like at the idea stage, they get to mm-hmm. know us and then yeah, then they're like, okay, we're launching my seed, if we already know them, we'll be like, we're first money in.
1: Yep. Totally. But we
0: gotta know you first. Yeah,
1: yep, that's right.
0: But we're not yeah. hard to reach. Just join the community. Yeah, we're, we're
1: not hard like, to reach.
0: Lots of not, VCs are
1: so hard to
0: reach. We're not. Yeah. Nope, you're right. That's why, uh yeah, VC has traditionally been very selective because they're just like we need the warm intro, but, you know, you need to know someone to get the warm intro. That's
1: right. That's right. Let's break the system. Break it. Break it. Break it. It needs fixing. Mm-hmm. Um, Jess, thanks so much for your time today. I am so excited to share the story of you, of us, of Coyote with my listener base here. Um, I'm sure we are going to hear more from you and about you in uh, our upcoming episodes.
0: Thank you. It's just the beginning.
1: Thank you for listening to my interview with Jessica Carr, my co-founding general partner of Coyote Ventures. I am so excited to start to invest in women's health and wellness startups alongside Jess and create our portfolio pack. We are a pack of coyotes. We are versatile. We're resilient. We're savvy. I just cannot wait to continue to use that analogy um, because it is so much similar to how you innovate in women's health. You got to be savvy, you got to be resilient, you got to pivot quickly, often, and you got to work together. And that's what we do at Coyote. If you're fundraising for your women's health startup, send your deck to deals at coyote.ventures. You can also stay up to date with the fund by subscribing to our newsletter at coyote.ventures. RD Fem fans, please join FemTech Focus virtual community. Once you join, become a FemPro member for only $10 a month. You'll get access to all of our previous recorded events, including our summit with Jesse Draper. Lots of really, really amazing, valuable content in there for only $10 a month. Also, while you're on your website, femtechfocus.org, get some merchandise. Also, please consider setting up a recurring donation. Femtech Focus is a 501c3 nonprofit and relies on your donations to operate. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.